is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another edition of FUVFC. Nick Guzman, Chris Carino, Nick Palmer here. Nick Palmer reporting in from Fire Island with the scenic background behind him. Guys, the summers, we're getting towards the start of school. That means the Prem is starting back up again. Man City, we're as we're recording this, are currently beating Burnley by a score of 2-0. Erling Holland, you know, picking back up right where he left off last season. It's definitely gonna be an interesting Prem season. That's gonna be the main focus of this episode. But first, Chris, Nick, how are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. It's great whenever a Prem season starts. This really is a great time of the year when all the competitions just kind of start to get going. Erling Holland honestly beat us to the punch in a lot of respects. Um, but it's going to be a very exciting season in the Prem. I think, uh, honestly, kind of the ambiance of the league may be different uh, when the window closes. And obviously, there's some drama we'll talk about later. But uh, it definitely seems like it's kind of has marks up to be a very, you know, exciting, explosive and competitive season. And uh, we could see if uh, Nick's uh, baby blue boys can get their four, fourth in a row. But I don't know. It's tough. Four in a row. I've that's That seems impossible kind of from a broader perspective. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. It's nice to be with you guys. It's nice to see you again. I'm chilling out here on the beach. Just got back uh, to New York uh, yesterday. So, you know, I'm I'm happy to be here again. I'm on Long Island. Uh, Happy to see uh, City taking on Burnley. It's already 2-0. It's just this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's pretty good. His name's um, Erling Holland. He's uh, he's pretty crazy. Uh, But, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy for another Prem season. You know, compared to other sports, the time off in the Premier League is actually not too egregious um but it still felt like a while and i'm, I'm happy we're uh returning uh to another season and i'm happy to uh share my thoughts with you guys and hear what you have to say so i've been debating how we should move through i think we should we're going to highlight the top six but we're going to go backwards from from where teams finished last season so that means chris unfortunately for you and me that means chelsea are, are up first um like coming from a mile away it's been it's been a very very eventful off season for chelsea considering they've sold nearly all of the old guard, everybody who you pretty much associate with Chelsea Football Club over, over the last five, six years, they're now gone. Whether it's N'Golo Conte, whether it's Mason Mount, whoever you want to name, Kai Havertz, they're gone. Christian Pulisic. Um, and yes, they brought people in. Christopher Nkunku, I think, is the main one. But now the, the, the big news is that he's injured. I think three months is the timeline for that injury. 
So for Chelsea, I think of all these teams of the of 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 the big six for Chelsea, it's the most of like you're really heading into a new era here. It's anybody who you know Havertz, Mount, these names that you associate with Chelsea, the team that won the Champions League in 2021, they're now gone. It's almost like an entire new thing happening at Chelsea. And Chris, I want to start with you because you're a big Chelsea guy. Just first off, your your thoughts on what they've done this offseason in terms of offloading all the players and sort of your expectations going into to this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I feel like me and you both probably watched the tour down here in the U.S. I mean, they were playing great. It, it, this team was just kind of starting to radiate happiness and kind of intrigue for me, which I haven't had much of in the last year to year and a half. And then, you know, Christopher and Cuckoo's need just decides not to cooperate. And it's definitely a kind of blow, just kind of, you know, punch in the stomach, kind of taking the wind out of you, just kind of on the momentum of the season. He did kind of really seem like the guy that was going to be in the middle of that attack. I mean, I even saw like on pitch side, somebody even uh, said that he might win the golden ball. Like there's some serious kind of like movement around it, I, even though that might just be uh, fatigue from Man City and, Ho- and Holland. But I seriously think that this kind of young core they have built around just from watching the preseason. I mean, a guy like Mudrick, who kind of got put through the ringer and the whole 007 treatment, has kind of come into his own, showing a lot more maturity on the ball. A guy like Nicholas Jackson, who at least kind of in my subconscious is coming out of nowhere in the last six months or so. He's an absolute baller. I love that he's wearing 15 instead of nine. We leave that nine away for at least a little while, as long as the Kaku is at least still on the payroll. But I feel like with guys like Enzo and, you know, maybe the best fullback pairing in the entire world with the best fullback in the world, Reese James, our Capitan. Um, and I don't know what the scrunched face is on Guzman's part, but he needs to relax over there. Um, and But nonetheless, I am excited for this new regime. I am saddened by the news of Nkuku's knee. Hopefully he joins us when we're full in stride and we're playing well. But honestly, I'm just kind of hopeful. It's a new era. We can't really do any worse. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I I like that. You said you can't do any worse. And I I, I would agree. I I would say, you know, Chelsea's goal this year is going to be finish top six. If you finish top six, I think you're in a good spot. Um, You know, there's the news that they're almost going to land Tyler Adams uh, from the U.S., which would be a nice get. Uh, I think they have the talent to finish at least top six. Uh, you've got a new head coach and Mauricio Pochettino. I think that's a good acquisition. Uh, but yeah, last year, you you can't deny it. It was, it was disastrous. And I, I think, you know, Chris would be the first to tell you that. Um, and they're just two years off of a European title. So, you know, as astounding as that can be, you know, I think, I think at least sixth or higher, you can raise your head high as a fan of the Blues and say, you know what? That's at least an improvement, especially with all the pieces that you've lost. I think a, a big thing for Chelsea is that it's just it's pretty much a, a clean slate with Pochettino coming in. You've got no, no no European football this season to worry about. You can just focus on the Prem and really the expectations after last season. It's you know anything better than what happened last year is an improvement. Um, you know, finishing twelfth is unheard of for a team like Chelsea. I'd expect them to be back up in the top six. And when you think about you know, there's the Moises Caicedo rumors that that he's going to sign for Chelsea, but then it seemed like Liverpool were coming in for him, but it seemed like Caicedo wants to go to Chelsea and that's all in limbo. I think that'd be a big, big get for Chelsea. You put him and Enzo next to each other in that midfield. And I feel like that's a very, very formidable duo. I think with Chelsea and the depth that they have in their squad, I think if they were competing 
you know, on multiple fronts that, you know, expectations in the prem might be a little bit lower, but I think the fact that they can just focus on the one competition, somebody like Mikhailo Mudrik has had an off season to, to maybe get things going. And I think Chelsea are definitely going to improve from last season. You still have the experience of someone like Tiago Silva to be a leader in that locker room. I'd say Chelsea are going to finish sixth or fifth somewhere in that region. Yeah. I think it's going to be a big step from last season. And I'm just kind of excited to see what Mauricio Pochettino is going to do with this group because things, you know, you talk about, you never really know what rock bottom is last, last year was rock bottom for Chelsea. It, it cannot get any worse. So I think if you see market improvement, like we have in this preseason, just in terms of ideas and, and the way things are flowing on the pitch and what, and what Poch is trying to build, I think that'll be a big thing to look out for for Chelsea this season. And then the next team. Um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, go Goose, ahead, Chris. Goose, go Goose. Ahead. Who's the best fullback in the world, Goose? I would I love Reese James. I think the you you what was your claim? The best fullback do the best duo? I think there's I think there's there's a case to be made that that's the best fullback pairing in the world that play next to each other. Based on what what evidence? I mean, what do you mean? I mean, from what perspective? Are you just healthy. chirping Ben, or are you? No, I'm 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 chirping both Ben and Reese James, who can't stay on the field for extended periods of time. Yeah, but when I watch them play, with giving the example of like that AC Milan game, for example, we played at the Bridge in the uh, Champions League group stage. Like, I've never seen a fullback be the best player on the pitch. Like, he's the best player on the pitch, impacting the game the most. Like, that's how I felt about Reese James ever since then. I was just like, this guy is different. And then just based on not necessarily them together, maybe the pairing was a miswording on my part. But I feel like two fullbacks that play at the same time on both sides of each other, I don't know if there's two guys better than, like, those two guys, to be honest. When you, It's more, it's maybe more of a commentary on the rest of the world and kind of what fullback pairings are then maybe how great they are. But I just don't see anyone else, even around the Prem, the world even, that has a pairing like that solid around the middle where wingers just have a lot of trouble when they can stay healthy, kind of you know creating offense from the outside. But you laughed when I said Reese was the best fullback in the world. So I wanted to hear who you were going to say was the best fullback in the world. I laughed when you said the, the pairings. I think yeah, okay. I think Reese James is the best player in this Chelsea squad. And he's the closest to a world-class player that's in this Chelsea team currently. He is world class. Why did you say it's close to? He is world class. Yeah, he is world class. Okay. I think we're. I think we're agreeing with each other here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but you're chirping chill a little bit. I'm chirping Ben Chilwell. Yeah, you are. I I also didn't hear Alfonso Davies or Kieran Trippier in that conversation, which makes me a little upset. Uh, Trippier had that like kind of like lightning in a bottle year last year. Like I don't think like him and Reese. Okay. That's not even a conversation. And Davies like that's he's not even the best fullback on his team. Like or well last year he wasn't even the full best fullback on his team. What Cancelo? So like I don't I don't really know how to quantify that. Davies is the same thing. Like he's just such a question mark, similar to what Goose was kind of going at in the beginning. Okay, so okay, I Reece love James it. I love it. Best fullback in the world. <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. go on. My bad. But I just I thought we'd dive into it because it's an interesting conversation, and it's really going to be what I feel like makes or breaks this Chelsea team this year. I think, I mean, injuries are such a huge part of it. You know, yeah, that's a 16, bigger conversation. You played sixteen Premier League games last season. You can yeah. be as world class as you, as you want, but if you if you're playing in less than half of your team's Premier League games, there's only so much of an impact that you can make. So I think. That's the biggest knock against Reese James right now is that if he can just stay healthy. But on his day, I don't think anyone's arguing that he's he's a world class fullback. I think the the interesting thing, you know, sticking with in 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 English player, in terms of Tottenham Hotspur, 
who's not going to be uh, playing for Tottenham Hotspur uh, for very much longer. Harry Kane seems to be heading towards Bayern Munich. And for Spurs, who finished last season in eighth, their captain, their goal scorer, a man who, if he stayed with Tottenham, would likely break the Premier League all-time scoring record. One of the great strikers of this generation is going to be leaving Tottenham for Bayern Munich. It seems like he's been spotted in Munich. Everyone seems to think that deal is done. And the question is now, with Harry Kane leaving Spurs, where does that leave them? Because it's always kind of been the 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 joke these last couple of seasons that Spurs are essentially just whatever Kane and Son do. Well, now Kane is leaving. Who who they brought in in this offseason, if you think about it? You know, James Madison has come in, but Son is still there. But with no Harry Kane, you're losing 30 Premier League goals and you're losing sort of the face of your club. And I don't think it, it can really be understated just how big of a loss that is for Spurs. Yeah, I mean, I think with Tottenham, it feels like it's just the same thing, similar to their kits every year. It really feels like they're kind of in this way of they're not bad enough to really make any like large, long-standing changes, but it doesn't feel like they're good enough to ever be contending for everything. So they're kind of just in this forever limbo that's a continuous cycle, and it's terrible. And I think they have this kind of like loser kind of culture that is just amounted, which is just like awful. And I feel like they really just need to find the root of where that's coming from, whether that's managerial, whether that's from the player perspective, wherever that's coming from, and they need to stop it immediately. I mean, there's a reason a guy like Jose Mourinho, who was coached in as many places as he has, will talk about how he doesn't have a personal connection to Tottenham and how the owner didn't let him win trophies. Like, it's it's just crazy things to be said about a major club in the world. And I think Kane is the embodiment of that, a guy that did all he could at striker position at that striker position, more goals than anyone has scored in the Prem, you know, at any team. And it just felt like they didn't give him the help he needed. It felt like they were complacent. They would give him a guy like Sun. They'd give him a guy like Deli Alley. And then it would just kind of stagnate. And it really felt like, you know, funny enough, the one year he's hurt, they go to the Champions League final. And it's kind of feels like he's not as important. I felt like that might have hurt a little bit. But I seriously think at the end of the day that they need to just find the root of this problem and maybe just you know start over and just nuke the whole thing. I, that was kind of what I said before, but just nuking the whole thing might just be the answer. It definitely could be the answer. And I, I totally agree. Like that Champions League final was in 2019, but it feels a lot longer than four yeah. years ago. Like, I, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, after last year, I mean, you finish behind what? Aston Villa, uh, you finished behind Brighton. That's ugly, um, especially as Tottenham. So, you know, Harry Kane's gone. And as you mentioned, like, like what's Son supposed to do? Like, look, I love James Madison. He's an absolute dog in the midfield. Do I think he's going to solve their problems or make them any better than they were last year? No, I don't. Um, so, you know, Harry, ew, maybe eighth, seventh. I don't see them any getting higher than that. Um, and I, I have a friend from high school who's a big Tottenham fan. I mean, huge Tottenham. And man, he was miserable every single year. And in 2019, he was ecstatic and just right back to misery. So I feel bad for anyone who's honestly a Spurs fan because um, they don't deserve this. They don't deserve it. So that's where I am on them. And you, you think about someone like Son, who's now going to have to carry the the pretty much the whole burden of this attack. You know, last season he wasn't as great as as he has been, you know, in previous years. I think it's, it was a down year by his standards. He still had 10 goals, 6 assists in the Prem, but 
He scored 23 the year before, and then he's had double-digit goals and assists this two seasons before that. So it, by some standards, last season was a down year. And now that he's going to have to carry the burden of this attack, I think he's a perfect player to compliment Harry Kane, but by himself trying to K, especially with you think about just how little Richarlison yeah. contributed to this team last year and just how little of an impact he made, you know, who else is going to be scoring the goals for this Tottenham team besides Hyung Min Son? It's going to be a lot on his shoulders. It's going to be a lot, I think on James Madison's shoulders to try to create things uh, offensively. But I think, I think I'm on a similar boat to you guys that, Without Harry Kane, I I don't see this. I could see this team finishing eighth again. I could see them finishing maybe even ninth. I think, especially when you consider teams like Newcastle, who are you know getting stronger, uh, the Tenali signing and all they did last season. I think there's other teams that could definitely, you know, be likely to hop over Tottenham. You know, sort of in the standings because Harry Kane's the lifeblood of this club and he's gone now. So it's just a kind of thing where. Where do they go? And I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that. I think this could be a rough season for Spurs. And I I have a lot of respect for people who like Tottenham Hotspur because it takes a lot of character. And even you know, from the never... and even from the perspective yeah. of Bayern, like a guy like Musiala, like those kind of young players that have homegrown tendencies, like they put the stars around them. Like guys like Kane, guys like Cancelo, who we talked about earlier. Like they just surround these guys with talent and they succeed, you know, very opposite to Tottenham. Just uh, uh, for whatever reason, in the words of Giorgio Chiellini, it's the history of the Tottenham. And it it seems like I think we're going to see more of that again this season. If you move up the table from last season, the next team in the big six was Liverpool finishing fifth. Now, Liverpool have sold off some pieces. Fabinho is now, now applies his trade in Saudi Arabia, as does Jordan Henderson, their club captain. So Virgil van Dijk will now be wearing that captain's armband. It's going to be a very different looking midfield for this Liverpool team. You bring in Alexis McAllister, you bring in Sabasly from Red Bull Leipzig. You've got Curtis Jones still in there, but I think in terms of the midfield, the the midfield that we were so accustomed to seeing uh, for many years for this Liverpool team, whether it was Fabinho in there or Henderson is going to be a lot different. You still got Mo Salah up there. You still got Luis Diaz. You still got these pieces in the attack. You've still got Virgil van Dijk anchoring the defense so it's going to be interesting for Liverpool still under the helm of Jurgen Klopp after a season last year where they missed out on Champions League football. But I think for me, the biggest talking point about this team is, is their midfield strong enough to compete, you know, with the other teams in the big six? Because it's definitely looking different than it has previously. I I, de- I definitely rate Sabasla. I think he's a really good player just from what I've seen at Leipzig. But I think there are definitely question marks for this Liverpool team coming in. And I think, Nick, I'll start with you on this one. Just your expectations going into to this season for Liverpool, because you think about a player like Caicedo, who's rumored for them. That seems like he'd be perfect to fit in that defensive midfield slot, but it seems like he doesn't want to go there. So there's definitely a lot of question marks surrounding this Liverpool team. But I think there's reason to believe that they could finish in the top four this year. I think there's there's definitely reason to believe they can finish top four. I think I think it's reasonable to expect them to finish top two. I mean. As you mentioned, just like Chelsea, they don't have, you know, the Champions League to worry about this year. Um, obviously, they didn't want that to happen, but then, I mean, that's what happens when you finish fifth. Um, but I mean, they're, they're right up there at the top. And look, they lost Jordan Henderson what to to Saudi Arabia, right? So he's gone. Um, he was a big part. Not even if 
you know, production wise, but just as part of the identity of the Liverpool team. Um, but I think they've improved. I think they've improved. Obviously, Zabaslai, he's an absolute dog. You said you like him from Leipzig. I like him too. Um, but Alexis McAllister, I mean, you know, he won the World Cup, right? So he's definitely um, going to be a big addition uh, to the midfield. And, you know, I think, yeah, losing Henderson hurts, but I think they improved more than they got hurt. Do I expect them, expect them to finish fifth or worse? No, absolutely not. I think they're they're going to be improved from last year. I think you're going to be seeing them in Europe for sure. Um. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think they definitely kind of finished top four here and kind of sneak back up into the similar level of prominence they had before. But I don't think they're going to be touching kind of that holy trinity of teams that we've been uh, waiting to discuss that are kind of maybe going to be uh, kind of having their own kind of triple threat match uh, for that title. But I do think this team's going to improve. I mean, a guy like Darwin Nunez, like that's a guy who haven't hasn't even been touched on. He seemed like maybe their next, you know, number nine of the future last year around this time. And that's a guy I think can maybe really have another get back year. Guy like Gapo too, you know, Salah obviously is so, you know, consistent and, you know, mature in that role that, you know, he's really built for himself at Liverpool. I think that they're definitely going to improve, you know, maybe the greatest keeper in the history of the league um, in between the pipes. Um, and obviously Van Dyke with a, a heightened level of confidence with the captain's armband uh, around his arm. Um, I think it's definitely going to be um interesting to see what they do with Trent Alexander-Arnold. I don't think that right-back role is where he needs to be anymore. I feel like he's outgrown it. I mean, I don't know if that means in the center meal, center mid position. It's pretty hollow there, kind of on their roster right now. Um, Maybe playing in front of a guy like McAllister or, you know, whoever they're going to have in, you know, central uh, defensive. It would just be nice to maybe see him get a different role, just seeing how talented he is when he is, when he is on the ball and not trying to, you know, uh, like, you know, track someone down because that, you know, can look ugly. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with Trent because, you know, you've seen with England, him playing in, in that defensive midfield role and picking out some beautiful, beautiful passes. But I still feel like Jurgen Klopp views him and views his system as that Andy Robertson on the left, Trent on the right. They'll push high. They'll swing the crosses in. And I think that's sort of the philosophy that he's going to stick to. I think I think it's a little bit arrogant to, to watch Trent get burned as often as he does defensively and not think that you might need to fix it because I think it's a big reason why they were fifth last year. You know, Virgil van Dyke, as good as he is, he maybe doesn't have the same step of pace as he did three, four years ago. It's not as easy to cover for, for, for Trent when he's bombing that high up the pitch. So I think, you know, I think Liverpool will most definitely improve. I'm not sure Nick, if I agree that they'll be all the way up in second, potentially I'd say maybe a fourth or third place finish for them, but I think it'll be a market improvement from last year. Um, where they finished fifth. So I think that'll move into, I think, where everybody seems to be on the same page, I think, about who the three best teams are going into this season. And that's Man United, that's Arsenal, and that's Manchester City. I think we'll start with Man United, who have brought in Mason Mount. So that 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 has a whole different look. Onana is now going to be in between the sticks. David De Gea is no more at Manchester United. They've brought in Hoyland, I think you you pronounce it as as a number nine option. But I think when I look at this Manchester United team, I think they're still third best behind Arsenal and Man City. I think I'm not sure how a midfield trio of Casemiro, Mason Mount, and Bruno Fernandes will play. I think those are three players that I'm not quite sure how they'll gel together. I think Casemiro will sit back and be the holding midfielder. But I think Mason Mount's going to have to do a lot of work both ways which is something that he's very capable of doing. We've seen him do it at Chelsea. I'm just not 
quite sold on on how those three are going to play together. But I think the pieces are there for Manchester United. And they finished third last year. I think this season, anything, you know, you have to be in the mindset if you're a United fan that this is kind of going to have to be maybe not a title charge, but we're pushing second, we're pushing first with the players that we have and another season under Eric Ten Hag. Um, I think this team is definitely interesting with Man United because it feels like they can do something really special. I mean, it feels like they can contend with City and Arsenal. I mean, when you look at the roster, a guy like Casemiro, it would not be crazy to say he might have been the best defensive you know, uh, midfielder in the league last year. And a guy like Martinez, revelational last year, too, in his position. Um, Onana really holding guys accountable in that defense, you know, with the clip of him yelling at Maguire. Um, just on a side tangent, I don't know why Marcus Rashford hasn't shifted into that number nine role. I felt this way when he was going on that goal-scoring streak kind of in the beginning of the season last year. I just feel like they have such bad luck and such just... I don't know. They just, it's just such a complicated position for them at that number nine. And it feels like their perfect, you know, replacement and perfect answer for that problem is literally just to the left. And if they could just move him over, I think that that would work gangbusters to them and almost working kind of like a don't want to compare him to Ronaldo, but it does feel that way where he plays kind of in a Ronaldo fashion, scoring that much from the left. Um, and I just feel like they need that kind of jumpstart in their attack because it feels like they're pretty set defensively um but yeah i feel like this is a team that can contend um i think that they will finish second um i don't know who will finish first but i know they'll finish second um i i think it'll be city or arsenal finishing in third they'll finish in second and then city or arsenal finishing in first um but i'm sure nick has um comments on that so you can you know take it over no 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 no, yeah, you're good, um, you're good, you're no good. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so United. Uh, you know, you pick up Mason Mount, obviously. Sorry for the fleece. Um, but yeah, so Chelsea's Chelsea's uh Chelsea's missing a lot of guys in Mason Mount, they'll certainly miss. So uh he's just one piece of it. I think um, you know, they picked up that keeper from Inter Milan. I think he's gonna help them out a lot. Um Oh, who's the guy from uh Atalanta who who they picked up? Uh someone help me out here. Uh I think striker. That's Hoyland. Hoyland. Yeah, Hoyland. Hoyland. Yeah. Casimir's Hoyland. Hoyland, yes. They picked oh, up Hoyland. Walmart Holland. Uh right, Walmart Holland. <laughs> uh what? He's only like 20 years old, right? So and yeah, he's gonna wear I 17 mean, he... too. He had an empty jersey on the opening day, and I think it's because they didn't okay. announce Fred leaving yet, so he's taking that number. Okay, there you go. Um, so yeah, but I mean he's gonna be joining Rashford up top. I mean, as far as the top four go, United probably has the weakest strikers, I would say, in the top four. So, and I think a twenty-year-old is is not is not enough to hang your hat on as far as you know getting the production. He's completely unproven in the Premier League. Uh, Rashford doesn't match up with you know some of the top strikers strikers in the league, no matter what streak he went on. Um, so I'm not sold on United. I'm I'm really not. I think you know they added some good pieces. But there's nothing proven to where I'm saying that they're going to finish in the top two. Uh, I think three is a good bet. I'd say four is even a better bet. Um, I'd even go as far as they could drop to five or six. I see it as definitely possible. Um, and that just might be me, you know, wearing my city goggles. Um, but I I haven't seen enough to uh to uh say otherwise in an unbiased manner. I just haven't. Yeah, I think. You know, Chris, your point about Marcus Rashford, I think he's without a doubt better on the wing. But I think for this United team, when I look at who else is gonna who else is gonna play the number nine, 
That's what and I mean. Yeah. It's Anthony Martial. That's who. Even if he's better on the wing, I think you have to take your chance up there with Rashford as number nine. So we're running low on time on the Zoom meeting with still Arsenal and City to get through. So I think we're going to go around. And Nick, I know who your champion is going to be. We're going to say, no, who's your Arsenal. champion? It's <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal. Who's your champion? And then where's Arsenal going to finish? We'll do that. I'll go first. Okay. okay. Man City are going to be my champion. I think, you know, despite, you know, what they may have lost in this offseason, I think as long as you've got Erling Holland up there scoring goals, we've seen his, we've seen what he's, he's already tort terrorizing Burnley. He's going to keep doing that. And then Kevin De Bruyne feeding the balls. I think there's no reason why City won't finish first. But I think Arsenal have markedly improved. I think Declan Rice is an elite, elite central defensive midfielder. I think people harp on him a little bit for the price tag. But I think he, without a doubt, makes Arsenal a lot, a lot better. I'm going to be very interested to see what Mikel Arteta does with Kai Havertz, where he decides to play him and how he fits that mold. But I think Arsenal are going to improve this season. But I think I think City still just have a little bit too much. I'm still, still going to take Arsenal second, City first. But I think Arsenal, there's definitely reason to be optimistic after everything that happened last year. And then I think just I just I just rate Declan Rice very, very highly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think City's gonna win too. Um, I think Arsenal will finish third behind United, uh, behind the two Manchester teams. I think it gets underrated when you get in the swing of the season, kind of for Arsenal's perspective, at least kind of when a guy like Jesus may go down with an injury, like he's so prone to do. Like when you look at with the number nine, uh, the, the uh, starting nine, uh, 11 they had out recently, like uh, Kai Hivert's is the number nine on this team. Like that, we're, it's underrated what this lineup could look like kind of if the injury bug kind of takes its toll on this Arsenal team. Like a guy like Kai Havertz could legitimately be their day in and day out number nine. And that's a scary sight coming from me and Goose who, you know, watch him at the bridge, you know, for the last couple of years. Um, Nicholas Jackson's the future. Um, anyway, um, but I really feel like this Arsenal team has, you know, done everything they can kind of in a conservative way to just become better. I mean, the Declan move is definitely a splash, but it feels like definitely not a move that it's going to you know raise any red flags. I think it's a move that is just kind of in the way of what they're trying to do and kind of in the system of what they're trying to do. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think United on its day can have a better attack than them. And I think that they have a better defense than them. And I think that uh, the midfield could be debatable. So I think that, you know, I think they might have the upper hand on uh uh, I think Man United may have the upper hand on Arsenal, but I just don't think anyone's taken away that crown from City. I just don't want to. I don't want to be different and be like Man U's going to win the league. I'm not going to be that You're guy. Um, but I think that City could take it and maybe give Arsenal a little bit of embarrassment and have them finish third and Chelsea finishes fourth, of course, because we need some Champions League ball next year. Goose, come on now, Nick. You got to hustle. We got under a minute. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's hustle. Um, yeah, C- City's winning the prem. I don't think there's really any debate about that obviously you make the team a whole lot more croatian with uh Bardiol and kovacic obviously sorry about that uh chelsea fans um he's kind of a dog uh but yeah um the only thing that worries me about arsenal is like they i don't think they have the depth that say liverpool or city has i think that's sort of where they're lacking a little bit obviously you mentioned jesus chris um he's out right now isn't he and he's gonna be out for a couple weeks I believe. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely going to hurt him. Um, I'd like to embarrass Arsenal. It's always in fun. It's always fun to embarrass the Gunners. And with that, I mean, come on, City. Uh, let's just make it happen. Peace or it's hard to do. Or it's hard to do.